Okay, well, everybody's in and seated. So welcome to From Vanity to Sanity Workshop. My name is Emily, and I'm a compulsive overeater and your moderator for this meeting. Hi. Hi. Now, please join me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thank you. Before we get started, um, we do ask that all cell phones or other electronic devices be turned off now. We remind you that this session is being recorded. All speakers must sign the release form. To protect our anonymity, no photography, audio, or visual recording is allowed. If there is press in the room, please do not take any unauthorized pictures or identify anyone using their full name. The opinions expressed here today are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA uh, Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. OA members are reminded when sharing to speak uh, to your recovery in the program of Overeaters Anonymous only. The format for this session is as follows. We will have three speakers who will share for 20 minutes each, followed by three-minute open pitches until the end of the session. The topic for this session is From Vanity to Sanity. The following is a reading from the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous, um, pages 9 through 11. Where eating is concerned, we have acted in an extremely irrational and self-destructive manner. Under the compulsion to overeat, many of us have done things no sane person would think of doing. Instead of bringing comfort, the overeating backfired. The more we ate, the more we suffered, yet we continued to overeat. Our true insanity could be seen in the fact that we kept right on trying to find comfort in excess food long after it began to cause us misery. Once we honestly looked at our lives, it became easy for us to admit we had acted insanely where food and weight were concerned. So our first speaker today is the lovely Tiffany from Sacramento. Hi, my name is Tiffany. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi. Hi. Um, I'm so pleased to be speaking on this topic. I think it's a really fun one, um, and it's so rich. It's got so many different things in it, right? Um, So just to qualify, I came into Overeaters Anonymous when I was 28 years old. I'm 46 now. Um, I've been abstaining for eight years, and I'm down 40 pounds from my top weight. Um, I adhere to uh, the World Service uh, definition of abstinence, which is at a healthy weight or on your way to being at a healthy weight. I would be on my way. Um, I'd really love to tell you that this is like it. But, you know, my disease tells me, oh, my gosh, you've got to be faster, thinner, stronger. And so anyway, that's a struggle, right? And that's part of what this topic is about today, you know, from the vanity to the sanity. And, you know, in the reading that Emily just shared with us, the first thing it talks about is eating in an extremely irrational and self-destructive manner. I'm sure all of us could spend 20 minutes on that part of the reading really easily. And um, the only thing I want to share about that 
today is I just want to um, tell you one thing that I used to do, and that is um, before I would leave the house, uh, I would take a, a real silverware tablespoon, and I would get a heaping tablespoon of um, of peanut butter and just eat that in the car and then wherever I was going, and then I would just throw it in the back seat, right? <laughs> And when I would throw it in the back seat and it would hit the floorboard, it would make a noise because it would hit all the other spoons that were back there. <laughs> and um, when I would actually clean up the spoons in the back was not, you know, because somebody else was coming in and going to ride with me in my car because I would never do that. Um, it would be because there was no spoons left in the house and I wanted to continue with this behavior. So anyway... Um, you know, I, obviously the books talk about all the different ways that we do this, and this is just one example. And honestly, um, if that was just the topic, I, I'd just regale you with all kinds of stuff, but I want to move on to other parts of the topic as well. Um, it talks about in this topic, when we honestly looked in at our lives, it became easy to see where we had acted insanely with food and where weight was concerned. Um, I spent a lot of my life before program, so up to the age 28, um, being obsessed with my weight and then also saying, well, then I, I cannot do that because somebody might see my body, right? So I have a sister who has a very different uh, relationship with weight. Uh, for her, it, it doesn't matter what size she is. If she wants to go parasailing, she's parasailing, Right. I, on the other hand, have the experience of, you know, even things that I can physically do at a weight, I would uh, say to myself, I can't do that because somebody might see my body, right? And so I feel like there's a lot of experiences that I missed out on because I was so concerned that somebody was going to see my body and I was so obsessed with how I looked. And... So one of the things that this program teaches me how to do is to say, um, you know, it sounds so cheesy, but like yes to life, right? Um, my sponsor in this program took me shopping two years ago when I was going on my honeymoon to Hawaii to buy swimming suits. Can you imagine? Yeah, I know. Terrifying, right? Um, but it was great. And I actually bought two swimming suits and went swimming on my vacation in Hawaii, which um, I've heard that's what that's what people actually do, right? Um, and I'm glad I didn't miss out on that. And I'm not sure that uh, had I not had the we part of this program, I would have done that, right? So um, for me, the the help that we get from others in this program is, yes, to put down the food, but it's much more expansive than that. Um, in terms of moving from vanity to sanity, one of the things that's part of my story is I came into program. I believed that what I actually wanted was to get skinny and to get married, right? And... Uh, <laughs> um, and I was 28, okay, and a young 28. Um, and so I got really super skinny and uh, met a guy and spent the next year and a half trying to be the Stepford wife version of what I thought he wanted in a potential spouse. And so we uh, hiked up a mountain 
And he had his arms around me like this, and there was a railing behind me and then a big mountain cliff down. And he said to me, do you think you can love me forever, right, while presenting a very large rock? And I go, yes, because that's what you say, right? All the while knowing in my mind, oh, God, no, right? Um, And... uh, because, you know, I was really early in recovery, and I also knew this person didn't actually know who I was, um, and I didn't think this was going to work. And so when we went back to where we were staying, I immediately look, looked for something that was salty, sugary, crunchy, and was off to the races and went into relapse. So I really feel like the honesty is a really big part of my disease as well. Um And so I went into relapse and uh, moved across the country, thought, well, I know somebody else who got their abstinence back by moving to Chicago, so I'll move to Chicago, right? I had a couple other reasons to move to Chicago, but that was one of the things I was thinking, I'm going to get that in Chicago, right? And uh, that didn't happen. Um, In fact, I got to Chicago and I went, oh, well, they don't do it right here. Gotta go. Um, And so left program. The good part of the story is when I came back to Sacramento two and a half years later, everybody welcomed me with open arms. And nobody said, oh, my gosh, you got so fat. What happened? Um, And nobody said, oh, you moved to Chicago. They must do it wrong there. (laughs) So apparently that was just my best thinking. Um, I first heard about OA when I was 18. I had a college roommate who was bulimic and was coming to program, but there was no way that I could get out of my way enough and put down the food enough to actually go to a meeting with her, although I remember her saying, if you ever want to check it out, I will take you. Um, I was, uh, many years later, going to a pay-in-way and said to one of the gals who was there with me, you know, I know about this OA thing. Would you like to check that out? And I can tell you, I don't think I would have gone to my first meeting at that point had I not been going with her, right? And so it was like, well, I'm really doing this for my friend, right? Um, So whatever gets us here. Um, And I'm really excited to tell you that through no effort of my own, she's still here, which is an amazing part of my story. Um, when she and I started going to meetings, we had our little meeting list and we're furiously sitting in the parking lot, like trying to highlight all the ones we've been to and all the ones we want to try out. And a woman, uh, taps on the window and says, it looks like you guys really want that. Um, I can't sponsor both of you, but you really need to get a sponsor. And because uh, she could see like midway through her seeing this, we're like, how about you? You know, and uh She said, I can't, uh, but please get a sponsor, um, because it's been my experience that that's how it works. Um, Today, that woman is my sponsor, so I did wear her down over time. (laughs) Uh, So we're going to a bunch of meetings, get a sponsor, um, have this experience of leaving program. When I came back to OA, I looked around the rooms, And there was somebody that I had known from before, and I thought, this woman has the qualities that I want in a sponsor right now, which is she had been here a long time, and it occurred to me that whatever went on in her life, she did not leave, no matter what. 
and uh, she was well-versed in the steps, and I knew I would call her. And when somebody is struggling to find a sponsor, I always say to them that I think, and this is just me, this is not program, um, that I think the perfect sponsor for you is the person you will call, right? So I sometimes have people that I think, oh, this is a pedestal person, right? Whenever I say something like that to somebody I've said is a pedestal person, they go, ugh, God, no, we don't have pedestal people here. And I go, I know, but in my mind, I do. And so anyway, so I knew I would call her. For whatever reason, I was not intimidated by her recovery or her long time in the program. I knew I would call her. And I wanted what she had, which was that she stayed no matter what. Thank you. And so I started working with her. And she was also one of these people that it was like, we're not going to wait until you get abstinent. We're going to do the steps today. And abstinence will come as a result of doing the steps. And so that's one of the things that I always tell my sponsees as well. All right, cool. Let's do this. Um, And I start with the OA workbook. And I know they don't have the new one out there. I'm here to tell you the old one's great. Um, And because I think it's really, it gives you good, easy prompts based on the 12 and 12 about how to go through your food history uh, to start Uh, particularly with somebody who doesn't have any familiarity with 12-step programs, I think it's an amazing way to dip into the program. Um, So I started working with this sponsee, and this is kind of where the vanity part kicks back in for me. I found out that my high school was having a 20th reunion, and I was like, oh, dear Lord. And I thought, well, there's no way I'm going at this weight. Now, my sister, on the other hand, would have been like, of course I'm going. I want to see what happened to people, right? But my thinking is, well, I, I, I'll may go if I lose weight, but I'm not going to go at this weight. So for whatever reason, as uh, silly as that thought seems now, that somehow flipped a switch for me. And so about nine months later, I, uh, I went to this high school reunion. Now, it was about the lamest thing I've ever been to. Yeah, all the people that I wanted to see were not there. And they had billed it as being in this very fancy restaurant. Well, it was in the basement of that restaurant. (laughs) So anyway, um, I guess I'm just saying it was a dumb thing that kind of kicked me into really working the steps. But really, whatever it takes, right? Who cares what that was? Um... And so I was working with that sponsor. Um, She's still a good friend. She's still somebody that I look to in this program. And uh, I had something that was incredibly difficult happen in my life. And somebody else had told me, well, she had that happen to her. And so it was great. I sought her out, and she told me how to handle that situation without eating. One of the things that was a really big problem for me before I came into program was eating during the night, getting up in the middle of the night and eating. And then the just total demoralization that would happen when I'd get up in the morning, think, it's a new day, and then see a plate on the nightstand beside my bed and remember, oh, yeah, I got up and ate. Um, So in program, sometimes I have thoughts about gosh, you know, I'm up late. 
Um, I, I feel like I'm hungry. I should, I should eat. I think I should eat. Even though I'm done. I'm done with eating all the food I need for the day. So what keeps me from doing that? So I text one of these people who I would have said to you was a pedestal person. And how is it that I've come to text this person? So I shared at a small meeting that I was having this problem of thinking, I need this extra snack after after dinner. I just need it. Um, and she came up to me afterwards and she said, I have that problem too. And so I kind of like, you know, you know, the great and powerful laws where everybody's knees are shaking and everything. And I'm like, oh, my God, well, what do you do? She goes, I text someone. And I go, can I text you? And she's like, of course you can. Right. And I go, well, you're actually a person I put on the on a pedestal. And she goes, oh, please. Like, that's completely ridiculous. Um, And it is completely ridiculous. And I have been texting her. And that obsession and that desire to eat that extra food after dinner has been removed. Right. So the we part of the program, could I have stopped doing that on my own? No, not at all. Um, but because I'm reaching out to somebody else in this program that has that same problem, it's gone. The other part of the program, the we part of the program that's so important to me is, uh, 10 steps to my sponsor. Notice I didn't say daily. I'd love to tell you I send one every day. It's beautiful. Um, but I don't send them every day. And the days that I don't send them, I suffer. But when I do send one, and I usually send it by computer at the end of the day. When I send one, it starts with a gratitude list because that's what she wants to see. And that right puts my mind in the right place. Because for me, um, let's say you go to a concert and the acoustics and the sound are awful. I can vividly remember that. If I go to a concert or a play or some other event like that and the sound is great and the sound engineer is amazing, that's completely invisible to me. I have no idea. Was that good? Was that bad? If I stop and I write down what was good about the day, suddenly the thing that was so big that was awful about the day recedes. And the things that were great rise to the surface. There's just something magical about writing them down. I also include to her, you know, uh, if I deviated at all from my plan of eating, what I'm going to eat the next day. And I read a prayer about how I want to be in the world the next day. You know, help me to be patient. Help me to be kind. Help me to ask if this is going to be necessary before I speak. Uh, Is this my battle? No, I don't think it is. I'm going to be quiet. Uh, And that really puts me in the right place. And before I write that 10 step, I would say to you, oh, well, I'm congested. I, I just must be getting sick or I'm having trouble getting to sleep or I'm angry or it's too hot in here. And, and all those things are really maybe going on, but it's really writing that 10 step that says, oh, I just had some detritus of the day that I needed to get rid of um, so that I can go to sleep. And it is magical. Um, it does really work for me. Um, I guess the last thing that I would share about was, uh, over the last year, uh, actually like year and a half at least, um, my mother was going through a lot of health challenges and first it was, is she going to get on the heart transplant list? And then it was, um, 
is she going to have a heart transplant? Okay, now she's on the list. Now we're in this like waiting period of uh, when is that going to happen? And then she had a heart transplant and a kidney transplant. Um, she's doing fantastic, by the way. Whenever I tell this story, I want to say that right away. So everybody's like, oh, my God, what happened to her mom? But um, this program gave me the words to say to her cardiologist what I was feeling, what I was scared about, and what I hoped would happen in a kind and loving way instead of where I would have been before, which was angry, irate, um, and freaked out of my ever-loving mind. And so I started to speak to this doctor, and I was ready to lecture her. Instead, I just started crying. And I told her how I was feeling. And then my sister did the same thing. And she was transferred to this incredible program, which uh, right after that, which was what led her on this path. I don't know that what I said made a difference at all. Um, but it felt like for the two years before, all we had been doing was going to ERs over and over and over. And so talking to people on the phone while I was out of town, dealing with this whole, her going through the surgery from this program was what kept me um, sane through that whole process because it was just so crazy overwhelming. Now, my sister would probably tell you, well, they had a great cafeteria at that hospital. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that was nice, but um, you know how it is. You could have a, a huge selection of healthy foods and it just doesn't matter um, if you're not in a sane place with the food and that this program provides. Um, when her surgery was over, and I had to come back to uh, my job and to real life, uh, it became really apparent to me that during this process, the hardest part had been my relationship with my dad. And I think part of it was we were together all the time, and his character defect of trying to control everything looks exactly like my character defect of trying to control everything. And so this person who for, you know, my whole life I'd had a really good relationship with, I was like, I'm done. And uh, my sponsor said, well, how about if you just write for five minutes, just five minutes a day about your relationship with your dad? That was in October of last year. And now my dad and I are planning my mom's surprise one-year birthday uh, in August because um, that's when she got her new heart and kidney. So that's, again, the transformative power of this program. It has nothing to do with weight. has nothing to do with vanity. So thank you so much. Thank you. Our second speaker is Bonnie from Santa Cruz. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, vanity, you know, I can relate to it. I carry around a picture book. This is uh, my visuals from where I started, uh, what happened to me, and how I ended up. I'm going to start it down here. So I came, I came into the program seven years ago. I was 63. And I can't tell you how many times I said, man, man, I wish I had found this 40 years ago. You know, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, five years ago, you know. But I found it, and I'm so grateful. 
When I was young, I was pencil thin. And when I was 10, I was heavy. And when I was in the sixth grade, I was the second largest girl in my class. When I was in seventh grade, I was the largest girl in my class. And um, by the time I hit high school, my weight had kind of balanced out, but I was always chunky. But what happened to me between those years of the time I was nine and the time I was in junior high in seventh and eighth grade um, was a lot of teasing and a lot of name calling and a lot of things that stuck into my head. I'm fat. Bonnie, Bonnie, two five by four, couldn't get through the bathroom door. I heard that one so many times. I was told all kinds of things that made me feel really bad and made me feel really stupid. And so when I finally, and I I got my weight down to 119 by the time I graduated high school and felt really good, and I met a man, and I got married, and we were married for 32 years, and... Um, it's because I was as addicted to that man as I was, as I am to food. And it took me a long time to learn that. But my vanity started when I was really young because I had a poor self-image. And I always thought, why don't they have a doctor who could just go in and cut out all this fat? And then I wouldn't have to worry about having a diet. That was before they could do it. <laughs> This is what happens when you live to be 70. The things you dreamed of when you were young become a reality. Well, a lot of them. Anyway, I didn't get that surgery. I didn't get any surgery. In fact, I kind of ended up putting on blinders. After I had my second child, my weight just kind of ballooned up. I had four children, and each time I had a pregnancy, I gained a little more weight. And I kept it. Because, doggone, it was mine, and I'm keeping it. Um, my husband turned out to be very controlling, so I found ways that I had control. I had control of the food, and I had control of the budget. And so I was either eating or spending, and uh, it, the marriage didn't last, needless to say. So, But then I, I did the, the, the move up to Alaska from Santa Cruz. I went to Alaska. Uh, after the divorce and thought, well, I'll just get a new start and I'll lose weight and I'll find a man and I'll be thin and everything will be fine. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> I, uh, I moved to Alaska. I didn't lose any weight. My weight went up and down. There's some pictures in there. And I met another man who happened to be chunky and he liked chunky women. And we got along great. And you know what we like to do? We like to go out to eat. <laughs> Between the time I met him and the time we got married, I probably put on another 20 pounds. And then uh, we retired from our jobs, and um, we bought an RV, and we did some touring. And we ended up going to Arizona and living there, and way down a little southeast corner where he had a house that we needed to fix up. And I w watched a family member go through program, and she was losing this weight. Now, we're the same height and the same weight when we started. Actually, I was a little heavier, but I like to say we were the same weight. <laughs> because at one point, I stopped weighing myself. You know how that goes? Yeah, yeah. Um, so then I thought, 
well, if I could do that diet, you know, I could do it because I like not only the, the fact that she's losing weight, but I like where she's losing it because I've gone on diets and I've lost weight, but it hasn't lost where I wanted it to lose it, you know. Like I always had these love handles back here and stuff. And I go, I, I, I need to find out what she's doing. So I asked her, what are you doing? And uh, she says, well, uh, we, have, we actually came to California and visited with her. Well, I'm going to this meeting. Come, come with me. So I went to this meeting. Would you believe it was an OA meeting? And I said, I don't get it. How do these people sitting around listening to somebody talk about what they did going to get the weight off of me? I don't get it. Where's the diet? She goes, it's not a diet. I go, okay. How do I lose the weight? You get a sponsor. What's a sponsor? And I came into the program after about six more months and another visit to her because she was still losing weight. And I'd gone back down to southeast Arizona, and I think I actually put on a little, a little more weight in all the paperwork that I picked up at this meeting. It disappeared. I have no idea where it is. It's out there in the great ebony of whatever. And uh, the other of my cluttered home. And then I, I uh, went back, and I saw her again, and she lost more weight. And I said, what are you doing now? She said the same thing. Come with meeting with me. And I go, okay, I'll go. And then I saw somebody that I knew 10 years earlier. And she was half the person she used to be. And I go, are you? Our good friend was? And she goes, yeah. I go, dang. How'd you do it? She goes, here. <laughs> so... I talked to my, my family members more, and I said, well, what do I need to do now? Because I really need to get serious because my brother had a stroke. I may have a picture of him in there. Um, my sister and brother and I were pretty chunky in that picture, and uh, in 2008 he had a stroke, and he um, ended up, in, and he still is in a nursing care and cannot do anything for himself. He's paralyzed completely on the left side. And uh, I was so afraid that I was going to have a stroke that when I came into the program and I started doing what I needed to do, I found a sponsor, a temporary sponsor. She only lasted a year and a half. And she was an illegal temporary sponsor because she was a family member. And it was the same family member. And... But we worked all the tools. We worked all the steps. I went through the program and I released 70 pounds. And then I got to maintenance, and there was this food that I could have on this maintenance program that when I put them together, tasted like something I could buy at the store in a bag, you know? And they usually come in little tiny sizes like that, little crinkled edges, and they were so yummy. And this tasted a whole lot like them, and I did really good for the first oh, couple of times I had it. And I said, I'm going to make a bunch of these to send to my daughter's program so she won't have an alternative to eating the junk that they give her during a break. And uh, I made a whole batch of them, and they ended up in my freezer, and they never made it to her freezer at work. And I ate the whole thing. And that was the end of my my weight loss But uh, at that point. But let me tell you about what happened there. I had come into the program, and I did the program, everything by phone, because the closest any any kind of meeting, regular OA meeting, was two and a half hours away. I had to drive all the way for, to Tucson to get to that meeting, which happened to be where Costco was, and my favorite treat was at Costco. <laughs> and so I stayed away from it. Um, 
because I was in program and I didn't want to put that weight back on because, doggone it, I had worked so hard to lose those 70 pounds. And I went into a store. We only, in this little town, we only had one or two clothing stores. And I found this store that I really liked. When I first went there, I was 200 pounds and I couldn't find very much that would fit me. And then I went back when I had lost 70 pounds and I was somewhere around 130 something. I think somewhere around 130 or something like that. And I saw these little skirts, and I said, well, I haven't had a skirt like that since eighth grade. And I tried it on, and I said, that's funny. It should fit. It's a large. It should fit me. And she goes, oh, you have it too low. It needs to come up higher, and and it zips up here, and it comes all the way up to my ribcage. And I'm going, oh, and that's different. And um, so I put it on, and I go, this is too big. <laughs> and then I got another one, and I put it on, and it was just right. And I was looking in the mirror. Now, there was nobody in the store when I went into the dressing room. And I came out, and I'm going, my belly's flat. And I shouted, my belly's flat. <laughs> I turned around. She goes, great, you did it. Thank you. And I turned around, and she's with another customer. <sighs> Ten shades of red. Um, But she said, you did it. And you know what I did? I believed her. I believed I did it. I can't do it. If I could have done it, I would have done it 50 years ago. You know? I couldn't do it when I was in seventh grade. I couldn't do it when I was 20. I couldn't do it when I was 50. You know, I couldn't do it when I was 63 and I came into the program. It's not a me program. It's a we program. I need you and I need my higher power because my God can do for me what I can't do for myself. And I forgot that and I got to thinking it's me. So you see the vanity rears its ugly head. And I started working with those little, I was on maintenance, right? Because I gotten to where I wanted to be, I thought. And I started with those little things that I was making for my daughter that I ate all of them. And pretty soon, the next thing you know, I was down at the store buying that bag of the little crinkly edge things that I used to love to eat. And I um, I had been taking classes. I had started a quilting class, and I had started a uh, piano classes lessons, and I wanted to learn these things. I had joined a church, and And everything was really, really good in my life, except for it wasn't, um, because I was getting wrapped up in other things, and I forgot program. I was too busy to make outreach calls. I was too busy to do all those phone meetings, and I was really loving my quilting class, and they had these little treats going around, and I always refused them. And one day I started picking them up. One day I started buying them. And one day I was putting on weight, and then I'd go to the class, and something that I had made two or three times, I'd ask the instructor, how do I make that? I don't remember. I don't remember how I did this. And it was really weird. And shortly after that, my husband of the second marriage decided that he had made connection with his high school sweetheart, and they were going to take off. So I'm down in southeast Arizona with my two handicapped daughters, who we brought from their home in in California to live with us and had been there for a year. And everything I thought was going really, really well. And then he up and leaves. And I've already started back into the snacking things and eating the things I'm not supposed to eat from the store. And uh, pretty soon I was off and running. I said, okay, I'm selling everything. I've got to sell a stove. I've got to sell the washer and dryer. I've got to sell 
you know, all this furniture. I can't take any of this stuff with me. And um, had construction guys there at the house, which he had lined up just before he left. And I started buying food for the construction guys and would sit and eat with them. And then I ended up um, putting on 50. In six months, I put on 50 pounds. And when I came back to California with my girls and moved in with this family member who had sponsored me and, by the way, had, had said after I started ignoring her warnings and stuff before I started going to the store and buying the, the bags of stuff, uh, she said she had to let me go because I'd already been well over my year and a half of, of sponsoring her sponsoring me and I needed to find a, a, a sponsor of my own. I called one lady and I asked her about a food plan. I said, can I do this? And she goes, no, you have to do that. And I go, I can't do your plan. And that was the last time I tried to find a sponsor. So I got to California. And I said to my family member, what are you doing? And she says, well, I'm going to a meeting tonight. You want to come with me? And I go, sure. So we went to this meeting. And uh, the second week there, I found a sponsor. And I came back into the program. It's been four years of back-to-back abstinence. I have a total. Thank you. I have a total weight loss of 80 pounds, but I can't really call it a loss because I know where they are, and they have friends. (laughs) They've been collecting friends all this time. My disease is as strong as ever. I, I realized when I went out and I put on those 50 pounds that I truly am a food addict. I will always be a food addict. I don't care what my body looks like. I ended up having two, three sponsors since I came back. One went out because her food plan was too generous, and I recognized it early on. And I said, I'm staying with my food plan that I had because it worked for me the first time, and it's a lot more restrictive than the one she gave me. And then I got another sponsor, and she says, you need more protein in the morning, and you need um, more vegetables because your body is at a good weight. She added another couple of ounces of protein to my food plan, and I lost weight. (laughs) Thank you. And I ended up down to 119 pounds, which I was ecstatic because I think one of the first pictures in my album that's going around, I was 119 pounds. That was the weight I was when I met my first husband. Don't you know everything was supposed to be perfect then? Yeah, wasn't. And it wasn't going to be this time either. So what's happened and what's changed is I get to live life every day. And food is not my main focus. When I was going through all of that, food became my main focus, particularly when my husband left me. It was breakfast out, lunch out, dinner out, snacks in between because there was a frozen place around the corner that I could go and get these nice frozen treats that I liked. And um, when I came to California and I moved in with this family member who was doing program, and she says, you know, um, this is what we're having for dinner tonight, and my girls didn't want it. And so we gave them other things. But I started eating the way she was eating. So then my girls still wanted to eat the junk food that I had been giving them. So I went to um, I went to the program and I started doing program and I got the abstinence right away and I continued to to work my program. Now I do call my sponsor um, three days a week. I send her my food every night Monday Monday through Sunday 
every night I send her my food, I send her my action plan, I send her five gratitudes. And I've been doing that ever since this sponsor became my sponsor. And I am so grateful because I can hear those little voices in the back of my head saying, it doesn't matter if you switch this protein for that protein. It's the same amount. It matters because that protein is not committed. The food that I sent to my sponsor is committed. So if I commit my food, I eat the food I commit. I'm on track and I don't have to worry about it. And as long as the food that I put on my scale is accurate, then I don't have to worry what the big scale says. I weigh myself twice a month. I weigh myself at the 1st and the 15th because I'm in a period where I'm, believe it or not, my body's changing again. So my weight went from 119. We took away those extra two ounces of protein. Guess what? My weight went up. I'm now 125. But it's okay. I'm wearing the same clothes I've worn for the last four years. I have, I came in with high cholesterol, high blood pressure, osteoporosis, not high blood pressure, low blood pressure, I still have that, uh, osteoporosis, um, pre-diabetic, and um, some really bad, serious back problems. My back was constantly going out. I have a twisted sacroiliac. Since I've released those 80 pounds, I no longer take any cholesterol medicine. My osteoporosis, the last time I had a test, they said, no, you don't have osteoporosis. Um, my, my blood pressure is still low, but it's not causing me to get dizzy or anything. And my sacroiliac uh, problem hasn't bothered me in the last, well, I have to say in the last couple of weeks, I had a little flare-up. But for the most part, I'm not in constant pain with my back anymore. And... I still have the vanity. I still think I should get back down to 119 if I listen to that crazy voice. It's always going to be there because I'm a food addict. Because I have body dysmorphia. Um, thank you. One of the pictures in my album was I was wearing a teal dress. I was in Hawaii. I never put on a bathing suit. I didn't go swimming or snorkeling. I read about other people that did, and I wanted to do it. I didn't do anything that I wasn't totally covered and I, I, to this day, if I don't mind what I'm, I'm doing and if I'm not faithfully following my program, then I'm going to be back into the food just like that. I will put that weight on. And my goal right now isn't my weight. My goal is to live to be 115 and to be vital to the very end. I want to be able to do whatever I want to do, go wherever I want to go, and be able to talk to people. I want to continue to be of service and to share as long as I possibly can. And thank you. Thank you. Our third speaker is Adrienne from Woodland. Hi, I'm Adrienne, and I am a compulsive overeater. My home group is the one and only Woodland Meeting, and for those of you who don't know, Woodland is a town about a small town about I don't know forty miles um, west of here. So it's in the greater Sacramento area, but it's a small town. Um, my abstinence date is November twenty third, two thousand and four, 
and I've been abstinent back-to-back for the 13 years since then. My abstinence is simple. There are certain foods that I just do not eat ever. Um, Oh, and I forgot. I am a Region 2 rep for the Sacramento Valley Intergroup also. Um, Because of the the WE tools, which I didn't get to hear, but I'm going to hear the recording of it that session, um, meetings and service, those are my favorite WE tools because I can't do it by myself. I need you all, and I need to get out there and put myself out there too. Um, I am maintaining about a 50-pound weight loss. I am. I was always a chubby child, although when I look back at the photos, which I don't have a whole album, sorry, <laughs> I wish I did, um, a lot of photos got lost uh, from my childhood, um, I wasn't really that big. But psychologically, I was led to believe by my brothers, who ceaselessly teased me, et cetera, et cetera, that I was fat. And I've always had a poor body image. And that, that's where, again, it, the problem centers in our mind. And um, so we ta- the passage talks about um, some of our crazy food behaviors, and some of mine are, I have stolen food from family, friends, employers, grocery stores. I have snuck food when others weren't looking. I have eaten food that was burnt or stale off the floor and out of the garbage. Left to my own devices, I take multiple servings. I have brought my own Tupperware to someone's house so that I can take home leftovers even when they haven't been offered. I have taken home leftovers at restaurants from other people's dinners. Now, I was, I, I was with those people having dinner, but <laughs> when they were going to throw it out, there's a joke that I've heard about alcohol abuse. It's food abuse if you're going <laughs> to just throw that good food out. What the heck is that about? Um, I like to isolate so that nobody watches me eat. I've eaten beyond the point of being full, and, but beyond, beyond, the, beyond the point of being sick of eating. And, of course, I tried a lot of diets. Um, lots and lots. I can't even remember them all until my former hair colorist told me, or she also struggled with weight, was um, the Who Knew diet. Who knew? If you eat less calories than you expend, you will lose weight. It's really simple, and that's where food plan and abstinence comes in. Um, so the diets worked for a while but inevitably I lost control and it came back again and, um, and still I could never accept my powerlessness that's, that's a really big thing and the we part of it also is you know the, the, the 12 steps are all we it starts with we admitted we were powerless over food and that our, our lives had become unmanageable, and then that we carries over to all the other steps of what we're doing. And all those diets and the eating and some of the exor- over-exercising I did um, was hoping I could have my cake and eat it too. And I am in other 12-step programs, but food is my drug of choice. That's all there is to it, and it took, it took me getting sober to see that food is my drug of choice. Getting sober was a piece of cake. But the mind part isn't, because the 12 steps are the 12 steps, and I still needed to do the work. Um, OA is my first 12-step program also, um, and I'm really glad I found it. Um, taking away the food food has allowed me to see other issues in my life, and I've heard other people speak about that today. And 
I was medicating and numbing myself against things. Some of these issues are definitely not fun to acknowledge. My behaviors, the way I think, um, what I've done to people that when I was thinking I was being a nice, kind person and ah, harsh light of harsh light of day and the steps um, brings that to me. And as I become aware of more issues, and note these are not new issues, but this is a new awareness, I can work on them now. Um, you see, I've never really been sane, so there's nowhere to restore me to except a new, new sanity. I am multiply diagnosed and truly believe that there was never a time that I was sane, even as a young child. Bill Wilson chose his words carefully when he wrote that AA had no opinion on other issues, pointedly urging members to seek outside help when necessary. And I do that regularly. For those of you who know me, this is as good as it gets. <laughs> and I know there are a few people in here right now. Um, so I came to OA in 2004, and I've never, uh, I have been here ever since. I was simply not able to do this on my own. Together we can, which is on all our name tags, and it starts with step one, as I said already. Here are some of my OA miracles, which other people have mentioned that, the, the, the key turning points and what happened. And some of these, these are some of mine. Um, I used to go to meetings in Redondo Beach, and that is where I got um, abstinence, was the west side of L.A. and the South Bay there. And the meetings there were really small, and it was in a dark, dank office room with, like, no windows and really depressing. Um, but there were regulars who came, regulars who came. There may be only three of us, four of us. But they came, and they had more time than I did. And in that dark, dank office, there was a beat-up desk with drawers. You know, it just was junk furniture, basically, in this, in this uh, office meeting room. But I found in one of those drawers of that desk some cassette tapes. Remember those? <laughs> um, that you could borrow. And I listened to the old tapes of Joe and Charlie. Uh, their three-day presentation of the big book comes alive. And I was on my way after that. I totally, I could understand it. I had to get this from somebody bigger than me. I couldn't understand the big book without instruction from somebody who knew it backwards and forwards. Um, and I've listened to Joe and Charlie at least once a year since then because it's that good and it's a good refresher. At least that's what works for me. Um, Another program miracle is that I got to hear Valley Sherry's presentation of the ABCs of abstinence. I don't know if any of you are familiar with that. Valley Sherry's down in the San Fernando Valley. And that was at the OA birthday party. Sherry simplified the difference between abstinence and food plan. My first abstinence was sugarless gum. And I know, what? Sugarless gum? What's wrong with chewing sugarless gum? Well, I was a sugarless gum addict. I chain chewed it. And while that's good for your teeth, actually, it's really bad for your digestion, and it costs a lot of money when you chew the amount of gum I chewed. And I knew it was clearly a problem, um, and I would hide it from people. It's like, okay, red flag right there. And um, one night at a meeting in Santa Monica, I heard someone else share that she, too, was addicted to sugarless gum. I found my home. I was not the only one. There's somebody else who can understand what my problems are with food. And that was just another miracle for me. I just was unbelievable. Um, you see, I needed your help 
and God's help, I couldn't do this on my own. And one more miracle in that same Santa Monica meeting, because I knew nothing, really didn't know much about OA. I was, you know, starting out. So I sat down, uh, sat down next to a little old lady named Roseanne. I had no idea who she was, and it was only it was probably a couple years later that I found out Roseanne S is one of the founders of OA. It was like, whoa. <laughs> That's like meeting uh, Bill and Bob. So it was quite, quite amazing, quite amazing to, to have had that experience. And then, wait, there's one more miracle. Um, because this program does um, change everything. That's what somebody shared earlier, that there's only one thing you need to change, and that's everything. Um, the thing that changed is my relationship with my mother. And my mother was not the best mother in the world, but she was the best mother that she could be, and she still is. I figured out in program of who I wanted to be, and I wanted to be a loving and respectful daughter, regardless of what she did, whether she changed or not. That's who I wanted to be, and I learned that in program. And I was able to change my behavior enough and often that was biting my tongue, <laughs> so that now we have the best relationship um, we've ever had in my life. Um, and that's very meaningful because I wish my father had lived long enough for me to be in program so that I could grow up and, ha- and develop a relationship with him. And... My mother's only 84, and I say that because in my family we live to 100 usually, but she's very ill with various things. And I know that even if she lives to 100, that means only 16 more years. That's not very long. I would like to continue to do that, and I learned that from this program. I learned how to ask for help. I learned to have boundaries. I learned to take care of myself while... Um, not hurting other people. And recently, um, I do uh, struggle with depression, and recently I was really out of it, and I wanted someone to talk to, someone different, because it's, it's tiring to listen to people who are depressed, and I know that. And I called up my mom, and I said, Mom, I want to say something to you directly, and... You know, can you go in the other room? Because I didn't want my stepfather to participate in the conversation. Even though he's a nice man and I love him, no problem. I wanted just my mom. And I could tell her about what was going on. And I said, and I don't want you to necessarily help me. I just want to be able to tell you about it. And I would not have done any of that without program. Being able to come out of myself. And these are some of the things that I, some of the, um, not so fun realizations about myself of in a relationship where, where people love each other but they just it's like oil and water uh, oil, oil and, uh, yeah oil and water um, somebody's going to make a first move and I'm a grown up I can make the first move <laughs> um and 
I've been able to talk to my mother about OA and uh, take her to meetings when I was down south with her and help her find some meetings that she liked. Now, she hasn't continued with those, but she listened to it. We went to a meeting of another um, food-related program because it was very close by our house, and we both agreed we didn't. that wasn't really a good fit for us. So then we tried. I took her to OA, and um, this is down in Palm Desert, and there's some really good meetings down there. So I don't know if anybody's here from there, but... Um, that, w- that was really fantastic to then be able to spend some time with my mother and hear some of her realizations about OA and her overeating. And, you know, she deals with it in her own way. She is working on it because she is now diabetic because of it. And, um, yeah, I pray for her. I pray for her because obviously this program isn't necessarily for everybody, but... Um, whatever will work for her because I, I definitely do not want her to die before a hundred. I'm counting on that. Um, the things that really, really helped me again, I mentioned, um, Joan Charlie in the big book was the big book and, and the steps doing it through the big book. And, um, some people get annoyed with me because I am a big book thumper and I tend to bring it up and (laughs) say, how about, well, what does it say in the, that step? Let's look at the big book and see what it says. And um, there's some amazing stuff in there, and there's obviously more, more to learn. More will be revealed. But I find it very um, comforting to know there is somewhere I can turn. I'm very grateful to the people who started up and keep maintaining the one and only Woodland meeting <laughs> um, because it's an awesome meeting. We are small but mighty, and we have a lot of regulars, kind of like those first ones I went to in Redondo Beach. And um, I'm really able to make friends and contacts with people there that I really haven't seen, and maybe it's because L.A. was too big for me or whatever it was, but um, really have been able to find people. And that's what helped me step up, and I first became an intergroup rep, and went to intergroup, again, at Sacramento Valley intergroup. And that was very helpful. And then it came up to um, the Region 2. We needed Region 2 rep. And I was like, well, I'd like to do that. And I guess whatever it was, the qualifications, but they all voted me in anyway because I did have so many years of abstinence, which I was really glad for because I did want to do something. And it really has taken um, my recovery to another level because it gets me involved. It gets me involved in service things. It gets me involved beyond myself, even beyond our, our little group. And um, I highly recommend it um, or suggest it um, is getting into whatever service you can get into. And if it's if you don't have a lot of time, find something that's small. Um, there are things I know, like our inner group, we have various jobs and positions that um, don't don't take don't take that much time out of your out of your month um and um you know it also says in the big book be willing to go to any lengths um to get recovery and i joke about this because when i lived down in in the south bay and in la um there's a meeting like every hour within five miles you know and I always said, I, I'll go to any links as long as it's geographically desirable, meaning like five blocks from my house and at a time that, that's good for me. <laughs> um, 
but now it's more more going to more lengths because our intergroup meeting is at a time that is completely inconvenient for me and exhausting for me and I have to drive a long way for it but it's worth it and it's only once a month so you know I could put myself out once a month you know usually although I will miss this one because I'm going to be working down south but um, it's been a really really great experience um so I, I hope I covered from me to we. Basically, I can't do it. And um, another thing that, that changed for me in program was um, I had been extremely, extremely religious to the point of people would call it a cult, except it's a main brand of religion, so you wouldn't dare call it a cult, but it was cult-like behavior. And when I got out of that, I th- you know, I say I threw God out with the bathwater. It's like, okay. I'm free, I get to do what I want, I get to eat what I want, I get to wear what I want, I get to wear my hair like I want. Um, And so when I first came into program and I started hearing about God, I was like, "Ah, I can't handle it, I can't handle it. But I kept coming back. I just kept coming back. And um, it took me about two years to get over the God thing. But I did. I definitely did. And... I use the word God because that's the word we have in English. Um, and I know who my God is. Whether it's the same as yours or not, it doesn't matter. Um, and um, it's funny. Several years into program, I was talking to one of my adult daughters. And I forget what was going on for her or something. And I said something like, thank God, or I'll pray for you, or something like that. And she says, Mom. Cut it out. <laughs> so I've learned to, you know, just like, you know, you don't force program upon other people. I don't force pro- a God upon other people. Um, but I do really connect with other people who do have a spiritual practice, whatever it is. Um, I have remained absence through, abstinent through several difficult things in my life, one of which is my daughter was diagnosed with cancer. And... Um, I have never prayed more than <laughs> you can imagine. Um, I got more people to pray, and I didn't care what they believed in, what religion they were, whatever it was. It was just I'll pray, just I'll pray, because I can't do this. I couldn't cure her. I could take her to the doctor, but I'm not a doctor. I'm not you know, a spiritual healer or anything like that. And um, a good friend at work, she's a... With uh, another religion, and she had uh, she's got a group on Facebook that she does it. And I said, please have your prayer, ladies, pray. And they did. And then my mother, she got her synagogue to pray, and I got all sorts of people praying. And I want to say that my daughter was um, has been free and clear of cancer for almost two years now. And please, God, that will continue. So if you want to say a prayer for my daughter, Rain, actually my child, my adult child, <clears throat> because she has recently come out as being non-binary gendered. So I can't use the word she, and I can't use the word daughter. And that's a whole new challenge, <laughs> a whole new challenge. But all through it, there's program. And, um, again, I wouldn't be here without all of you. And I know this morning I was very nervous and I'm a little nervous now still, but I know we're we're all here in it together, and that's what gave me comfort in being able to, I'll get up and speak, even if I'm nervous. So thank you all. Appreciate it.
Okay, the meeting is now open for three-minute pitches. Um, please sign the release form at the podium prior to speaking or after if it's more convenient. Uh, we ask that you limit your share to three minutes and confine your share to your experience, strength, and hope on the topic discussed today. Uh, the session will end at 2.15. Um, and if there's more than one person, of course, you can kind of bank up here. Um, so open for shares. Hi, my name is Ruthie, compulsive overeater. Um, thank you so much for all your shares. They really impacted me, and I could identify with lots of things that you guys talked about. Um, I'm from Long Beach and um, came into these programs in 91, lost 87 pounds maintaining it, and have um, 30 months of abstinence today. Um, it is such a wee program. Uh, my ego kept telling me, oh, no. It says about you. You don't have to do anything. And I came in, and I was obese and been obese since I was six weeks old. And I came in angry and judgmental and sarcastic and thinking that I could solve everybody's problems, and that's why I had friends. Either I bought you dinner or lunch or whatever, or I solved all your problems. And so my first OA meeting, I'll never forget walking in and, like, wow, you don't want anything from me and you like me and you want to give me a hug? Really? Really? Are you sure about that? And um, it was really profound for me. And um, I got a sponsor. And um, one of the most wonderful tools for me was writing down my food and calling my sponsor every day. Because in the beginning, I just lied. Oh, sure, I had that. You bet. And then after a while, I'm like, you know, I kind of like my sponsor. And now I trust her. So, okay, if I eat this, what I really want to have, at least 50 of them, I had to tell my sponsor. Oh, okay, fine. I won't do it. And so that's, what, that's one of the big tools of going from me, my ego, who thinks that it's fine to eat 50 of those because I'll just start my abstinence tomorrow, to no, you got to call your sponsor and talk about it. And meetings are really powerful because I go to meetings and you guys keep telling me my story over and over and over again. And so uh, I need that um, constantly, a lot. Um, And I'm so grateful for this program. You guys have saved my life. I would not be here today if it wasn't for you guys. I'd be either dead or 300 pounds and wanting to, to change the world and get everybody to, to let me solve their problems. And I still have a big ego at times. I still can be pretty, wait a minute, I'm right. And then luckily my higher power comes in and says, really? Really? And, uh, and I'm really grateful for that. And uh, when I first came in, God was really difficult for me. I grew up in an atheist home. And so it's like, I uh, can't handle the God stuff. And my sponsor gave me a wonderful idea. She says, I want you to write out a job description for your God and then hire that person. And so my higher power is great and wonderful, thinks I'm the the greatest thing since sliced bread, and uh, adores me. So thanks, everybody. Keep coming back.
I did want to add that I misspoke in this session does end at 2 o'clock, not 2.15. So we have time for maybe one more share. No pressure. Um, no, that's all right. Uh, I'm Jennifer Compulsive Eater. And I just wanted to stand up and share because I got here yesterday. And I'm here, but I'm not here. You know what I mean? I'm still kind of here, but on the outside. And why spend all the money to come to Sacramento if you're going to be here, but on the outside, right? Um, and I, I really appreciated the topic of the me into we. I've been, into, I've been in program for 11 years. Uh, when I first came in, I kind of got conned into being an intergroup rep for a meeting. And I remember going to the intergroup meeting and feeling like, ah, this is everyone is crazy. And it's just um, <laughs> confrontation after confrontation. I mean, in confrontation just being we don't all feel exactly the same. And so someone might talk about it. And, um, and it was too much. I couldn't do it. And then about four or five years in, I went back and I was like, God, it's so different at intergroup. And I was like, no, I'm different. I'm different now. Because at the beginning, I was a drowning person. And I was like, I need, I need me. I need my sanity. I need this. And I didn't realize uh, until later, all these people here are in OA and they're volunteers and they're wonderful and none of them is special. And this convention exists because all of these, none of these are special people decided to show up and help and be of service in the way that service was done for them. So thank you so much for doing that. Um, and so I have to remind myself whenever I feel like I'm on the outside, I'm just like, oh, you put yourself there. I just, I just put myself there. Um, and these conventions only exist because people show up and they're like, I don't know how to do it. I don't really want to do it. I would rather be doing this. Uh, and yet people, uh, you know, spend their time and do it. And, uh, and I'm, I'm really, really grateful for that. And I'm really grateful for um, not being the same person I was when I came into program. Um, there were some lovely things about me. And today I do spend a lot of time. I'm, I'm going through the steps again for the fourth time. And I'm on my fourth step. And it's really hard this time. And it turns out it's because uh, I'm a pretty good person. And I don't want to spend any time talking about my character assets. But in order to function in the group and be of service, I have to acknowledge both uh, my assets and my defects. So anyway, I just want to say thank you so much for your service. Hi, I'm Frank, and I'm a compulsive overeater. <clears throat> I've been coming for a number of years. <clears throat> I came into the program in 1981, but uh, I was just thinking, uh, you know, uh, the theme of this program, vanity to sanity. Well, I used to make this little joke about the shortest poem I ever wrote, and it used to go like this, me, me. <laughs> But then, uh, that that's vanity, you know what I mean? But then I realized the second verse was we, which is the first uh, word in the 12 steps. We, me, you know, and I always feel better when I, uh, when I work the program for we. It makes me feel better. So uh, that was just the thought that came by. And then, uh, you know, I had the privilege of uh, talking with Joe and Charlie in a, 
and the big book comes alive seminar which you mentioned but uh it was there he was in the stall next to the, to me in the john so we talked for about five minutes <laughs> but nobody ever know that <laughs> anyhow uh, the thing is i used to do a lot of service and i've been uh, kind of like resting on my laurels so i was reading uh actually it was another program book it was the we got busy, we got better, and they started talking about fears. And they used to talk about fears in this program quite a bit. So the reason I'm here is because I'm walking through my fears. I said, when I am go up here, or drive up here, or do this. And, and so the fears are always the what ifs, you know what I mean? What if this happens? What if nobody likes me? What if, they, you know, there's a... <clears throat> so I just noticed that the people that do in a service here are the happiest people, you know what I mean? They seem to be really into it, you know what I mean? So I um, I started doing more service in my program, and then I realized that my abstinence wasn't that good because I wasn't paying attention to serving sizes, you know what I mean? But the, I went to this food reboot uh, program they had down there in the, San Fernando Valley, and what the lady was saying, you know, if you don't have a scale, you can, you know, use your hand to kind of judge the sizes, and because I hate to weigh and measure, and I don't have a scale with me all the time, but I can uh, certainly cut down on my sizes, and I have, and I lost about six pounds since then, so, you know, and I'm keeping about 60, 65 pounds off from my top weight, you know, I could be 100 Hundred pounder. Thank you for letting me share my time's up. Thank you. Frank. Thank you. So I want to just take a minute to thank our speakers and everyone who has done service for this session. If you enjoyed this workshop, we encourage you to stop by the All Star Media Table to order copies of the session or any other sessions. All workshops and main speaker events are being recorded and are available on CD or as an electronic download. Um, I'd like to now invite you to join hands as we close with the third step prayer. And if you don't have it in your head, it is uh, in your program on page 8. God, I offer myself to thee, to build with me and do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self, that I better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those I help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Keep coming back. It's working. It's working.